Welcome back to Podcast Recovery, everyone. We are your hosts, David O. And Eric V. Today we are joined by our very special guest, Bobby C. How are you doing, Bobby? Doing great. Doing great. Yep. Awesome. It's uh, David, David O., Eric V., hey, and this is, this is Bobby C. Nice. I like the little Perfect. rhyme there. Yeah. <laughs> uh, that, was, that was good. So uh, uh, where are you from, Bobby? I uh, grew up in New Jersey, Audubon, New Jersey. Nice. It's, right uh, over, it's, it's right over the bridge from Philadelphia, so you're getting a Philadelphia accent. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I was catching that a little bit. I was, once you said Huntington, California, and I was like, huh, he doesn't sound, he doesn't sound California. <laughs> yeah, he's, he's fake California. <laughs> so when were you first introduced to recovery? My anniversary date is February 27th, 1984. So I was 34. So that's 36 years clean? 30, 36 years clean and sober. That's amazing. All right, man. Well, with all that out of the way, we're going to turn it over to you to share your story with us. So take it away. Okay, like I said, my name is Bobby C. And I like to, you know, I like to use the slogan, Bobby C., a friend in recovery. Mm. Because yeah. that's what I am. I'm a friend. I'm a friend to anybody. Doesn't matter if you're in recovery. But I like to use that little thing. You know what? I, I've been taking a lot of time preparing for this in a sense that since it's so long, 36 years, I, I have to go back. And it's, sometimes it's hard. You know, so mm-hmm. I go back into like when it first started, and it gets me deep into my like. It's almost like I'm doing a you know four step again. Hmm. You know, yeah. when I when I when I dig deep, because it started like tenth, eleventh, uh, ten, ten or eleven years old. You know, I mm. mean, it's 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 really it it gets like it's crazy. You know, yeah. I mean, I started smoking cigarettes when I. When I, when I was like in 10th grade, uh, not 10th grade, 10 years old, because I used to tap them out of my dad's, I, I can remember these things like it was yesterday almost, mm-hmm. tap them out of my dad's lucky strokes, pull lucky out, and then bring it like it was gold, hold on to it until I met somebody, a friend or something, maybe I was in a fort, because we used to dig forts. You know, and make oh, yeah. forts under the ground and stuff, you know. We used to find, like, a door and put the door for the top and go under. And we found matches. You know, you had to have matches to light the smoke up. So, of you know, I remember smoking a cigarette at, like, 10 years old. Kind of like, yeah. because I got grandkids now that, that are eight. And I'm looking mm-hmm. at him. I'm saying, damn, if, he would, if he's going to do some of the shit possibly that I'm going to be doing. You know, at ten years old, eleven years old, but that was the start of it. I didn't, I didn't start drinking then. But I, mm-hmm. I, I moved out of one town, a little town, and moved to another town. It was like two towns over, from this one town to two towns over, and that's when it started. Uh, I, I was in fifth grade, fifth, sixth. It all started with mm-hmm. um, we used to we used to steal. A little bit of like whiskey out of the, the the cabinet, the liquor cabinet. Put them in a jar, and then maybe two two other guys used to do it. And we used to meet down this place called the Indent. It was down the tracks because I lived like right next to the tracks, railroad tracks. Mm-hmm. And we go down there, and it was like a, an indent where we used to go in 
and hide and smoke our cigarettes. And I used to, I remember holding my nose and drinking this whiskey. Mm. And, and of course, I got sick. Yeah, and I'll tell you what, I got sick a lot of times. Mm. Over and over and over and over did I get sick. I don't even know. You know when they say you're sick and tired of being sick and tired? Well, damn, I, after all those years, because you figure, let's see. Uh, I used, my addiction lasted, let's say, 20, 23 years. My addiction yeah. lasted. So it was like that as a young kid. I remember even going, we used to have, um, when I moved, I made a lot of friends. And in this town, there were so many young guys my age. It was, it was crazy. And everybody, mm -hmm. you know, when, 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 when you hook up like in a new town, this one guy, his name was Vince. And he used to name everybody. Right? Mm -hmm. So he gave me this, he gave me this name, Sooch. You know? And that was my nickname for my whole life. There's people still today that don't even know my name. They call me Sooch. Oh. But when I came into recovery, the first day, you know, everybody was, you know, had, they, they had a, they coined a name, you know, you'd have Brick Lair Al, you'd have Nick N, you know, you had all yeah. the anonymity names. So I coined myself Bobby C. So ever since I came 36 years ago, I lost Sooch and became Bobby C. Right. And, you know, but that was, that was uh, 23 years of that shit. And it just kept on going. You guys cut in anytime you want. Anytime you want. Do. You want me yeah, to man. Yeah, okay. I'll just continue and talk about it. Yeah, just keep going. Yeah, and it it was like, it just went on. Like, it, I, I'm going through the years, like sixth and seventh grade, you know, 13 years old, you know, and then, you know, like breaking into garages, stealing some Dago Red out of there, drinking wine, and guess what? Still getting sick. I don't know why I oh, always yeah. got sick. I always got, I always, I'm going to say, I always throw up. I threw up a lot from the, the booze until I started to not drink like wine and, and I guess goofy stuff. I started drinking beer because mm -hmm. this, we found this one guy, this one guy was the older guy in town and this old guy, Mickey, he could get, he could get us some booze. And back then we used to drink quartz like quarts of beer and if they come in a case so Mickey would put deliver a quart a case a quart a case of quarts into his garage into his dad's garage and we paid him of course and we gave him a little bit yeah. you know and uh, we used to go in the garage we all meet there and I get my quart and I drink my beer and that was it once I started with beer I loved it you know it mm -hmm. gave me a it gave me a it gave me a buzz you know, what, that was, what was your first beer? Do you remember? That was, that was it. Yeah. That was it in Mickey's Garage. I was about 13, maybe, maybe 12. Do you remember what brand of beer it was? Yeah, yeah it was, uh, they don't make it, I don't think, anymore. It was Keglet. It was called Keglet. I've, I've never even heard of that. No, you're not going to hear, you heard of Milwaukee? Old Milwaukee? Ooh, like Milwaukee? Yeah, yeah, I know Old Milwaukee. Okay, well, it was it was like a step down, you know. Keglet was like a step down from there. It was probably the cheapest court you can buy, I guess. Who knows? Mickey yeah. wanted to make some money. He didn't want to get the good stuff, so he got. Yeah, of course yeah. not. Yeah, and it just went on, you know. Ages, it just it just moved on from 
seventh, eighth grade, it just got worse. Fourteen, you know, I, I even delved in, you know, I got into the sniffing glue, which I don't know how I got involved with that shit. I don't know, but I started doing yeah. that. You know, anything to uh, escape and get uh, get out of reality and mm-hmm. get into some fantasy, you know? Hmm. And, uh, I mean, I did that for a while. And then I, you know, of course, in ninth grade, that's when I met my wife. Okay. Mm-hmm. Then everything changed. I remember walking down the street with my uh, girlfriend then, which is my wife, and um, we're walking down and my buddies came up, come on, Suge, get in, let's go, we're going around the lake. You know, and I said, nah, nah, nah. Uh, they went around the lake, see how fast they can go around a lake, and that nah, wasn't pretty. Hit a tree and one of my buddies died, went through the window. God. Oh, my God. But, but that stuff... That stuff was like happened, you know, that's like in ninth grade. And then 10th grade, it just got worse, you know. Then 11th grade, 18, it, got, it, it wasn't good. I graduated when, you know, when I was in 12th, it was about 19, you know. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I could, just, I could just tell you stories and stories and stories and stories, but I want to get into the recovery part. You know, I don't want to spend too much time on this story because, yeah, I, uh, you know, people say, people people say, oh, there's so, there was a lot of good stuff in, in uh, you know, their drinking and drugging. For me, when I really look at it, it's hard for me to find really some good shit. I tell you, mm-hmm. I, don't, I don't know why, but I see a lot of bad. I could just go through it and see a lot of bad stuff, you know. Mm-hmm. And it served a purpose, you know. And the purpose was for me to escape reality, to me to get out of responsibility, to me to to whatever. All I know is I was addicted, you know. Mm-hmm. I was addicted. I was addicted on this stuff, you know. I might have chose to drink it, but I'll tell you what, I didn't choose to become addicted to it. That's for sure. Yeah. And then uh, I got married, twenty-one years old. You know, moved into mm-hmm. my first house at twenty-two. My mom lent me a thousand bucks. You know, that wasn't pretty. My first child, nineteen seventy-four. You know, I was twenty-three years old. Stuff like that. I wasn't. I wasn't capable of being there for my own child's birth. I was yeah. in a bar. You know, my wife was due. I didn't know what that time she was due, but I was too busy in the bar. Mm. You know, mm. and uh, I get a call, and then I had to go there. I had to go to the hospital, and you know, I was like hungover, crazy, crazy hungover. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Shit like that. Moved to Audubon. Uh, bought this old house. Couldn't even afford uh, the money to, for the oil to put in uh, half the time uh, because mm-hmm. I was too busy having you know having fun having parties. Uh, yeah. You know, you, you look you look back in this stuff and you see how I neglected, you know, my family and myself. It's uh, yeah. it really it really helps you to dig in and and see what it did to you. You know. Yeah. And then when I moved to, I moved from from Audubon, I moved to Stratford, and that's when. I got my big job with the county, you know, I, I got a job with the county working in uh, a psychiatric hospital at, with the mm. security systems, and it was pretty big for the county, you know, and it was a, it was a real good job. So I started there, but uh, I just used during, during work. Uh, it just gave me an opportunity, a more, a better opportunity to use and drink and drug and, you know, smoke dope and, you know, uh, during all that time. That's when I, you know, started to do some, even back then I started to do some meth, 
You know, I'd, I'd have to, I'd, I'd mm. do catering. I used to do yeah. a lot of catering jobs. So I'd go out to catering jobs. I'd work my county job and then go on a catering job so I could make enough money to use after my booze and stuff. You know, mm. I, I'd, I'd give my wife the check and then use my money to go out and be able to do the things I got to do. Mm. And, uh, you know, I'd be doing some mess, doing some lines to keep me up because catering was a lot of hours. Mm-hmm. And, um, yeah. But then when I moved to Stratford, you know, I had my second child, the jobs came, you know, the job, the two jobs. How much time can I be at home? You know, working two jobs. Mm-hmm. And then time, you know, I was like a weekend binger. You know, if I take mm-hmm. a drink, you know, I took a drink, the drink take me, and then I didn't know where I was going to be. Uh, yeah. So it was like, I was lost. <sighs> It was like a weekend lost weekend, right? I was uh, I was away for I was missing in action, mm-hmm. you know. And the crap that happened in that time just got bad, you know. Passing out, just turning corners after clubbing all night, drinking and smoking some dope, and just passing out hitting trees and you know stupid shit like walking out of cars, just stepping out of a car while it's running, while it's moving, and hitting my head and smashing my head and coming home and not going to the hospital until the next day and getting stitches and stupid, stupid crap, you know? Mm-hmm. And you, you look at it and... It being and your, wife, my, your wife stuck by you through all that? Yeah. Is that crazy? You must be an angel. That's why well, everybody, says, everybody says, everybody says, how in the hell did she do it? You know, I, there must have been so much good because I was a good provider. You know, mm-hmm. I, I, could, I could sit here and not justify anything, but I could tell you all good things about me, too. But that's that's not what I'm here to say. I'm not here to talk about the good things in, in back then. But she, she to stick by me, she either had been crazy or an angel, okay? And you know what? I hate to say it, that sometimes they get crazy because we make them crazy, mm-hmm. okay? Yeah. Or Or... or they're crazy from their childhood, from maybe the alcohol that they were used to, you know. Mm-hmm. Uh, so she's st- yeah, she stuck by me. She stuck by me. She stayed with me. We're, we're, let's see, we'll be celebrating this October forty nine years married. Oof. Wow. So uh, yeah, but it kept it kept on getting worse. I mean, I I could go on with the war stories, but we're, we're not here to talk about that. Uh, I remember working in my I used to work at a psychiatric hospital, and the, you know, the, the patients, they used to call me crazy. They used to say, Bobby, you're crazy. I'd say, yeah, mm-hmm. okay. I remember I used to open a door. I had to open a door for the, the guys that used to have an uh, Alcoholics Anonymous meeting down the, down the hall. And mm-hmm. uh, that's when I probably started a little bit checking, checking something out because I went in there and stole a big book. Yeah. I remember I, I, remember you stole, I stole a big my, book? Oh, yeah, I stole the big book. I had to steal a book. Well, that's I, spiritual. Oh, hell, I, I stole a lot of shit. <laughs> <laughs> Stealing a lion's part of the whole thing, man, you know? I hear you. And uh, so I stole my first big book, and I didn't go to AA for a while after that, but I had a big book. You believe that? Mm-hmm. And uh, the, the weird part about it is, you know, uh, let's see. Okay, so from there, I'm going to leave that. I'm going to leave that there. you have any questions about that? I'm going to leave that there and then go in to the, to the rest of it. Yeah. 
you have any questions? Yeah, we'll, we'll get to the questions a little bit later. I want to want to hear the rest of your story, man. Okay. So, now I come in. Now, how do I come in? Right? Mm-hmm. The, coming in the, the coming in part is this, this sick and tired of being sick and tired, but that's not it. It's, it's the sick and tired of being, how do you, demoralized. Yeah. You know, constantly... Um, apologizing and promising and uh, seeing over and over. You know, I knew I was an alcoholic. I could tell. I told my, I used to tell my friends, oh, I'm an alcoholic. They say, but you're not an alcoholic. I drink more than you. I said, yeah, right. That's, that's why I hang, I hang with people like yourself, okay? So, yeah. But uh, my wife started to go to Al-Anon. Hmm. Mm. Okay. Them Al, you know, them Al-Anons, man, they're, they're, they could be mean, you know. Oh, yeah. I'm a, you know, you know, I'm not kidding. But uh, Al-Anon, she started to go to Al-Anon. And you know what? My wife left me a few times. You know, she, you say she was an angel, but she wasn't. You know, a lot of times she came to her, uh, her she came to be sane, and she left me a couple times. But mm-hmm. I always, I always did, did what I had to do, and I always got her back. I always, like, promised, you know, made all these promises. And she left. She left me a few times, but this time when she went to Al-Anon, these Al-Anon people put something into her brain. I don't know. They were giving her something, you know, mm-hmm. because I could tell she was getting confident. She was getting some. Um, she was learning stuff that to let me go, detach, all this other stuff. How she met this friend. She met this friend named Dolly, who was going to Al-Anon and became her friend. Now. Now, Dolly had two girls. I had two girls, you know, two mm-hmm. daughters. And uh, so Dolly and Jane got to be buddies, you know. And Dolly, it happens that Dolly's husband, his name is Lonnie. His name was Lonnie. And she said, you know what? Because I knew, I, I, was, I was fearful because I, I knew she was ready to leave me for the last time. I knew it. Yeah. I, could, I could taste it. You know, and I was done. I was tired because I was going, let's let's just say I worked in a psychiatric hospital, but I knew I was going insane too. Mm-hmm. You know, I was getting paranoid and looking over my shoulder and stuff like that. And if I didn't have a drink and, you know, after my binges, my mind would just take off and race so much that I have, I had to have a drink to slow that down. So at the end and, and the throwing up deal and sleeping downstairs or under trailers, you know, it just got yeah. so much in. So I, I knew I was done, and uh, I didn't know it. I didn't know I was. I knew I was done. I wanted to be done, but I didn't know how to be done. That's for darn sure. So she asked me. She said, "You know what? This guy Lonnie, he's in this Alcoholics Anonymous deal, and he said if you want to, he 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 would come over and talk to you. You know. Nice. And here and here we go." You talk about, you know, they talk about spiritual awakenings at the end of the book. Nah. Mm-hmm. I, I, I had my first spiritual awakening at that moment because I said yes, Y-E-S, to help. Yeah. I said mm-hmm. yes to help. That was, uh, uh, that was my first spiritual awakening. I didn't know it was. Mm-hmm. I, can look, I can look back on it now, but I didn't know that was or was going yeah. to be anything. Okay, I said yes. 
I said, have him come over. He could come over. So he came over one night. She wasn't there. She went out. And here comes, he, he, he walks into my door, this big, he sat down and he told me this thing, but there's a big construction dude, big, nice beard, good looking guy. It was mm -hmm. a dope shooting pharmacy robin, Jack Daniels drinking construction worker who came in my door, sat down. It was like Jesus Christ comes in the door and sits down and wants to, wants to give me something, help me. And that's what it yeah. kind of, if, if I look back, you know, I mean, if there was such a thing, if there was such a Jesus, he, he became a person that said, you know what, I'll help you out. Yeah. And he, and he became my friend. And that was the start. That was, that was I'm, I'm still friends with him today, you know. And Lonnie went back a couple of times, but he's got, he's got some good clean and sober time now. And, and we still talk. I go out and visit him. And uh, I've had several sponsors after that, but uh, he, he was my first friend. And I'll tell you, I'll tell you how he saved my help. I'll tell you how he helped save my life because he didn't save my life. He helped me because I believe help is a pointer to the way, but it's not the way. Okay. Mm. So Lonnie, Lonnie helped me, and I'll tell you how he helped me. And I, uh, he became my friend, and he. I was lucky because if I would have had a big book thumper, if I would have had mm -hmm. somebody pressure me and demanding I do certain things, I don't think I would have stayed in, mm. you know? So he wasn't that type of person, and uh, I'm grateful for that. You know, he was yeah. real It was real easy. We talked about the kids and life and went to meetings and hung. Uh, I joined his home group uh he took me to his first meeting. He said, where do you want to go? I said, uh, let's go Sunday. I, he didn't tell me when to go. I said, let's go Sunday. Uh, he said, I have a home. I have a great group in uh, Hamilton. So I went down there to my first meeting. And I'll tell you what, we're all down there. I'm shaking. I'm smoking cigarettes. Everybody's uh -huh. the whole basement is smoke, smoke all over. And I'm shaking and smoking my Winston's and, they got ashtrays there. And these people See, I wish I could have gotten clean during the days of the smoking meetings because mm -hmm. by the time I got clean, there was no more smoking meetings anywhere. Like those, <laughs> those things don't ex those things don't exist anymore. But that that would have been right in my wheelhouse if you could just sit there, burn burn a pa burn a half a pack down while you're while you're stressing and sweating out all the drugs and alcohol. That 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 would have been my place. Cool. I know it was cool. I enjoyed it, man. Hey, well, I don't oh, yeah. know what I would. I don't know what I would do without them smokes. You know. Yep. That definitely, and it was cool. It was, you know, there was all kinds of different people there. There was guys with dress shirts on. There was guys with, uh, uh, you know, little like homeless looking. There was bikers. My first, my first, one of my first friends I met was, was named Doc. It was one of the old, you know, Hell's Angel guys. Doc, mm -hmm. he was in there. He'd bring all his biker stuff in, and he'd start bringing buddies in there. And it was like anything I started, I quit. You know, I wasn't in the Boy Scouts, but then I got to like this stuff. It was like the Boy Scouts. It was like being in the Boy Scouts. You know, you'd make mm -hmm. these friends and 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 buddies, and we we traveled this the psychiatric. Back when I came in, I didn't even know what a rehab was. Mm-hmm. Uh, they didn't even use the word recovery, I don't think, you know. So it was kind of different back then. We used to go to psychiatric hospitals, you know. 
we didn't go to rehabs. We used to go to psychiatric hospitals uh, and and travel, you know, with about three or four of us, you know, smoking in the car and and talking bullshit and having fun. You know, yeah. it, it was it was cool. It was real cool. And so that was the beginning. Mm-hmm. What can I say? Uh, after that, let's just say I didn't go to my first step meeting for a year. Okay. Wow. Stayed sober. Well, you know, Bill and Bob, they didn't even have a big book or no books for, what, two years, I think. You know? Yeah. And they stayed sober. Uh, you know what they used to talk about a lot in my meetings was um, slogans. I think almost mm. slogans. So the slogans used to, they used to save my ass all the time. You know, that's yeah. that little ass, that stupid little ass serenity prayer. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, I could take the word God out of there and still, still it works. Yeah. Uh, but um, all these slogans, and, and I used to like to hear the stories and people, they didn't seem like they forced, it, they, I don't know, it was, I don't know, it just felt different. Uh, it wasn't like a forceful thing. And then I finally, you know, oh, here we go. Oh, no. I finally went to my first step meeting. But but before that, Lonnie took me to the meeting. I went to the meeting at the place I worked. Mm. And uh, the one I stole the big book at. Mm -hmm. And at that meeting, I held the big book up and paid for it. Nice. At that particular meeting, you know, I declared I stole it, and I said, "Here, I owe you," you know, and that was that uh, was that was kind of that was kind of like a little reminiscing thing. It, it really, I could still reflect back on it. Well, it was pretty cool. Yeah. But time just went on. I probably only lasted uh, about four years in Jersey until I got a bug up my ass. Four or five years, and and in the meantime, I got another sponsor, Bricklayer Ale. I started to do the steps, you know, I went to my, I did my four step with a priest, you know, and I'm just saying these things. I, I, yeah, I hope I, I hope I have time to, 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 to talk about the involvement of the whole thing, because what I'm saying now is not the same as what I am now. You know, every yeah. five years, every five years I evolved. I, I mean, I evolved, I changed every five years. See, I was lucky in the beginning. I used to go to ACOA meetings, CODA meetings. I used to go to Mary Iron John meetings. I used to do one-on-one therapy, group therapy. I, I branched out, and and my my consciousness started to, let's say, the open mind. I started to get an open mind beyond, even beyond the AA rooms, you know. Mm. And uh, I did my first twelve step, uh, first four step, a uh, fifth step. I wrote my uh, four step out. Did my fifth step with the priest. Now here's the weird thing. I did the four step with the priest. So the priest told me, um, he said, okay, make the big book your Bible and make your meetings mm-hmm. in church, you know? And, uh, so, you know, that was cool. But you know what? He eventually took his collar off and he started a place called starting point, which was one of the big, big, treatment rehab type situations in that area and uh, I used to go to a lot of his meetings and stuff like that but he became real popular real like 
let's just say, you know, a, a mentor for a lot of people. Mm-hmm. But, but uh, you know, Jersey, you know, of course I had a home group. I had to have a home group. Of course I got involved. You know, Lonnie we sponsored was Bill N. And then uh, Bricklayer Al was Bill N's sponsor. But eventually I got uh, Lonnie kind of, uh, I went out and uh, I got uh, Bricklayer Al and did some work with him. And he was he was a therapist, so you know it's, it's, I guess maybe I didn't trust a lot of people, so I went to more people that I thought I could trust, I guess. But mm-hmm. uh, in the be- in the beginning, but from Jersey, I moved to I moved out from Jersey because I hated the rain and the clouds. And people might say I started a big catering business in that four years. Well, that maybe probably five years. Started a big mm-hmm. catering business. I did a lot of cool cool stuff in sobriety. And um, started to want to venture out because I didn't like the clouds and the rain. So yeah. I said, "Let's let's move to uh, let's move to Arizona." Because my mm-hmm. brother-in-law lived in Arizona, and we went to visit him. I loved it. I fell in love with Arizona. So we moved out there. Where are we at in time? We're good. We got we got some time. About, yeah. Yeah. So. Uh, that's it. No. Wow. Oh, that, that, just, just, no, and then we'll and then we'll go into questions. Okay, because I'm going to have to speed by this. I'm going to go to the bumps. I'm going to just go. I moved to Arizona. I came back, built a house back in New Jersey, and stayed there for two years, and then moved back to Arizona. And people mm-hmm. are going to say, "Well, you did a lot of geographic and shit." I did. I did a lot of geographic. But it wasn't running. I was uh, I was checking stuff out, man. I was high on life. I wanted to experience some things, you know. Oh yeah, and uh, yeah, and I stayed in Arizona for about fourteen years, nice. and then um, I did a lot of lot of different different stuff. You know, when I moved to Arizona, I had to get a different sponsor. I started started a meeting up there in that town and. I started a meeting every day, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, and it's still going today, you know, years and years and years later. Uh, but I, I had fun. I did a lot of lot of stuff, uh, went a lot of places, uh, got involved with a lot of people. But I just kept on evolving my, my thinking, my beliefs. You know, I have a disclaimer, you know, what I'm about to say. I say, these are my opinions, my beliefs, my awareness from my experience of my reality over the 36 years of this journey of life, you know? Yeah. And through this 36 years, people call it recovery, but, you know, anymore, I just call it life, you know? Yeah. I'm in this life thing, and and, uh, I give a hand to anybody I can. I I particularly uh, make my own stuff, you know? I don't have to, um, let's say... Uh, go out and search out alcoholics and drug addicts. I'll help anybody, but of course, if anybody needs help, I'll I'll be there for them if they if they need it. Uh, yeah, I uh, just kept on just kept on growing different things. To matter of fact, two thousand I think it was the year two thousand. I went into uh, matter matter of fact, it was yeah the year two thousand right when. Uh, what was that called? The Centennial or something? I don't know. When that changed, everybody was afraid of UK. Oh, uh, y- Y2K? Yeah, yeah. I, I, I started getting into holistic studies. 
So I went to the Southwest Institute of Healing Arts, and I was I was starting a program way back then. It's, it's crazy. I got I got it right in front of me. It's like I designed a, a curriculum and a program way back then, two thousand, about recovery and beyond, teaching how the twelve steps, the holistic uh, philosophy, is like the holistic philosophy of any ancient, uh, I guess, any ancient learnings or practice or teachings, you know? Hmm. But uh, I had a chance to do a lot of stuff. But, you know, I always, I always was interested in more of, of this um, learning process about mm-hmm. myself and about life. So I was, I was always searching Mm. And uh, that's why I keep on using the word evolve. I believe today the young people, um, it's a different, it's a whole new generation is going to be different. I can make a prediction years from now, it's going to be so different that the recovery movement in the future is going to be like without labels. Mm. They're going to do without labels. And without labels, you're not going to be have, have to be. Uh, there, there's not going to be no need for anonymity, because you're not going to be calling yourself all these uh, different stigma names. You know, you're going to say, "Hey, yeah. I was I was addicted to uh, booze or drugs. I've recovered from that. Mm-hmm. I'm not addicted no more. Today, mm-hmm. I am. I am in recovery from life, of course, because today I feel." I'm in recovery from the lies, or let's just say I'm in the recovery to find the truth about life today, you know? Mm. Uh, and, you know, I was going to put it to you guys, maybe when you asked the question, I was going to ask maybe one of you guys a question, but I could do it maybe in one of your questions. I, I, know, I, I would love that. You want me to pass that by you now, or? Yeah, let's, let's, let's kick that off right now. Okay, I'm gonna I'm gonna ask you something, both of you. Mm-hmm. Okay, just imagine. Okay, if you can, now you you could probably reflect on this tonight, but mm-hmm. imagine five years ago. Mm-hmm. Could you have known what you know now? Five oh, wow. years ago. No. Huh? No, right? No. Okay, no, so, like, no, you don't know. Okay, so let's just say that would have been called the unknown, mm-hmm. okay? You didn't know the unknown, but you know it today, and it's called the known, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, so if I, I would, I would say if when you're hearing people talk, you might be hearing the future, even though you're in the now right now, you might be hearing what you're going to know five years from now, which is unknown to you now, but five years may be known to you again. You kind of follow that? Yeah. Yeah. that's, that's That's how open people need to be. Yeah. Because people think they know what they know, and when they hear somebody... They may shut them down or shut them off, and that may be the unknown to them, but eventually they're going to become 
they're going to know the unknown and it's, because, it's going to be called the known, you know? And mm-hmm. uh, of course, all we got to do is reflect back in our thinking, you know? I still, I still believe that whatever the mind can conceive and believe, it will achieve. Mm-hmm. And if, if the further I get in to this, this, let's say, consciousness or awareness, the deeper I go and the more I get, it's almost like the less, it's less complicated. And mm-hmm. it, almost, it almost becomes all the same, you know? And mm-hmm. uh, because there's a lot of, I mean, there's a lot of deep shit, you know? There, there, there's, there's deep stuff, but the further I go down the rabbit hole, the more I find out it's the simplicity of it is that, that you know, like I said, I, I went to many different things got a lot of information, I thought, I questioned, I observed and became aware. And all of those things were, the teachers come in many forms. Teachers yeah. can come in people, they can come in places, yep. they can come in things, they can come in situations, they come in experiences. The teacher is just a pointer, right? But this mm-hmm. is the bottom line, what I've learned, that I feel that I've learned for myself is to ultimately, ultimately, the answer is within me. Mm-hmm. Ultimately, I am the way. I'm the guru. I'm the Buddha. It's, yeah. it's, it's, I, I would love it to be any other way. You know? Yeah. That, that would be easier. I'm going to probably, uh, how about if we kind of end there with, uh, with that stuff because I get a little, I go off. No, that's perfect, man. Um, all right, would you, would you like to start, Eric? That's up to you, David. Eric, did you fall asleep? No. Did you fall asleep while I was talking? No. No, I'm here. He did. David's the more talkative (laughs) one. Um, so, you know, I, I will go first. I will go first. Um. Okay. Okay. So, you know, I, I kind of want to, um, I guess touch on, you know, you touched on a lot of different types of spirituality. Uh, during your mm-hmm. share, uh, you know, actually, one of the, you know, I'm I'm not a religious person. Um, I wasn't brought up that way, so you know. Uh, but one of the things you said where you did your fifth step with a priest, uh, I actually, you know, got through. I did grief counseling with um, a reverend, and uh, that was probably really? some of yeah, some of the best grief counseling. Like it's some of the best counseling I've ever had. Um, so this question, it sounds like you kind of evolved and went, uh, went like a little bit, because you, you just ended your share, you know, with Buddha. Um, and you talked a little bit about like kind of a new age, uh, more mindfulness and like self-awareness uh, type of model. So how would you describe, and this is kind of a multi-part question, where did you start your process 36 years ago, spiritually? And how have you evolved through the years uh, to reach the point where you are now? And what is that now? How would you define your spirituality? Okay, I'll just answer that quick question. I don't define it. Okay. I don't use labels. Mm. I, don't really, I don't really like to use labels. So if I, devon, if, I de, if I defined it spiritual, then they could put me in a box. And I'm not put, being let... Uh, you can put me in a box. Anybody can put me in a box, but I'm not putting myself in a box. Because I got yeah. I got further to go, 
So uh, I'm not going to be put in a box. So I don't define myself with labels. But I'll tell you what, the evolving part is everybody. See, if you seek, you shall find. So if everybody keeps on seeking, they're going to find wherever they go. But the evolvement started the day I said yes. See, mm-hmm. that was, that was the, matter of fact, it probably started before when I was born. You know, because I was born an atheist. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Right? I'm born an atheist. My mother gave me her religion, which was Catholicism. You know, I did all the ritual stuff in Catholic churches and stuff like that. But then I evolved from there, maybe, oh, I, I, I had to have got to, because I was told these things. See, see, what I found out was that I had to seek them on my own. I had to stop being told what to do, how to think, what to see. Okay? Mm-hmm. So, so I had to question things. So I even questioned the big book. I questioned the 12 steps. I questioned a lot of things. I questioned, I still do question things, okay? Mm-hmm. So those questionings mm-hmm. led me to um, find truth for myself. You know, it, it was, it was, it, it, it was like slow and gradual. There was pauses during that time. It was going back words during that time. So it's, to answer your question, it's everybody's path is going to be different, but I feel that that's just my take. We'll all get to the same place, mm-hmm. you know. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, I mean, even, even, in, even in stuff like Napoleon Hill, I, I, I even changed his little thing that, he, that I love about him, but I, I write, I ask not for my riches, more riches, I don't ask for more riches, but I ask for more wisdom to make wiser use of the riches I have been given at birth in the form of the power to control and direct my mind to whatever ends I desire. And I fully believe that, you know? Mm. So it's, it's up to me. I, 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 I go where I, where I want to go. <clears throat> and if I keep on searching, does that help you? Does that answer your question a little bit? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, totally. Well, not now. With the Buddha, let's just say recovery dharma, uh, uh, refuge from recovery. I love them. I, yeah. I think it's the, I think it's the coolest thing. I I, I'm, I started a recovery dharma meeting. Okay, um, I love the meditation, the self inquiring, the wisdom, the compassion, the community, and it says right there our own inner wisdom and our own path. You know. Yeah. teaching of the dharma, you know, the community. I love smart recovery. I'm a smart recovery facilitator. Oh, okay. cool. Awesome. Oh, oh, yeah. So I'm into all this stuff. Life ring is cool. You know, life ring is cool. Hey, I don't even have a problem with the, uh, the singular message. Let them be. Let them do. Hey, I don't have a problem with the freedom model. You mm-hmm. know? I don't have a problem with harm reduction. I don't have a problem with none of this stuff, you know? I have a problem, when I have a problem, when I question and try to help people out, is when people are trying to manipulate other people and tell other people uh, what to do, how to think, how to question, and you're going to die if you don't do it this way, mm-hmm. okay? Yeah. Because, because that's bullshit. Yeah. It's not true. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I've proven it to myself. you got to prove it to yourself. Yeah. And like that actually goes straight into my question. It's like in 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 your answer you were just given uh, to, to Eric's question, uh, 
you were talking about questioning the, the 12 steps and that, like, I, I love that and everything you just said, like thinking for yourself, finding your own power, your own wisdom. So, I mean, maybe not necessarily like in early recovery, like at least for me in early recovery, I had to just, just sort of do things the way they needed to be done and how I was, um, suggested to do things. So like I, I needed a little bit of a program. I needed some consistency, but as I've progressed in my recovery, I've started to ask those questions and I've started to broaden my mind and what is recovery. So my question is how important is, is asking those questions of yourself and of recovery programs and recovery communities as a whole. Okay. People, people that see, I can, I can, I can go so deep into that. It, it'll blow your mind, but uh, mm-hmm. I'll, I'll tell you, I'll tell you right now that, uh, you go, 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 go deep, man. Do this, you know, people want to do the steps. God been through the steps several times. And, and, you know, I found out that the steps for me can be a mind fuck. Okay. So I, I had to be careful. So that's when I got into changing shit around to make it suit me, you know? Mm. And that, that's when I got deeper into it where it doesn't become circular, where there's no end to it. You know? Yeah. And you see, I'm big into secular recovery, okay? I'm big into the agnostic, atheist, uh, secular AA. Secular AA, secular AA is huge. It's giant. Like 1978, it started. Okay, people don't even realize it. You know, let's just say eventually all the big book thumpers, count myself, when we're we're, we're going to be dead, and a new generation is going to push this thing into a whole new direction, and it's going to go secular. Okay. Yes. Yeah. And, but but there's going to be a choice. There could be a, a religious movement. You want to go into the religious aspect of it. You want to go into the spiritual aspect of it, secular aspect. I don't care where, what aspect you can go to. But mm-hmm. for me, for me, the labels uh, can hurt me in defining myself because particular people put those labels into a box that they're only they, they're only aware of and information from that box. Mm-hmm. You know. So I watch that stuff. Did I did I help you there? Go go a little heavier. You want to ask yeah, me a little deeper? You want to go ask no, a little I'll deeper? I'll, we can go as deep as, as, yeah, as you're deeper. willing to go, man. Well, you asked the questions. Yeah, man. Like, how, like, yeah, really, like, get into, like, the nitty-gritty. Like, how important is it, like... To, to really believe in a, a personalized recovery and like what works for you and being able to, like you said, evolve and change and ask those, those hard questions and really make the program suit you instead of you changing everything to, to suit a program. Me changing everything to suit, oh, you mean me changing me to suit them. Mm, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I stopped doing that. See, I took all the shit. I found out that, I, you know, I'm just going to come out and say it. You know, they, they rewrote the 12 steps a long time ago. Mm-hmm. <laughs> These things have been rewritten a long time ago. See, I don't, I don't codifile things anymore. Codifying mm-hmm. means numbering. I don't number stuff anymore. I don't, I don't have to number shit. 
You know what I mean? Yep. And I don't have to... Look, my primary purpose, I define my primary purpose today. I, I'm not letting yes. society... I am not giving my will and my life over to any society. Okay? Mm-hmm. Because yep. that's a hijack. I'm giving my life and will over to a society. That's not freedom. Okay? Yeah. They, say, they say the program's free. Well, let me tell you something. It's not... Okay, mm. so be careful. I, I'm telling people to be careful. The only reason why I'd say that to other people and people would say, well, mind your own damn business. It's only your opinion. Guess what? This whole program is made up in opinions. As Bill sees it, that's all his shit, yep. opinions. Okay? Yep. Uh, Dr. Bob, I can get in so deep where, where, where the, the word and the disease came from. Okay? And maybe yep. I could fly out there and we could do a little podcast on it because no one wants to talk about that. Yeah. I'd love to. No, no one wants to talk about the disease, or mm-hmm. or they don't want to talk about the alcohol industry. Mm-hmm. No. Let's leave that alone, because mm-hmm. you might be break you might be breaking traditions. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I don't want to go too deep with that uh, because you know that's my that's my opinion. But I believe in opinions. I believe we all have them, and I want to hear them. I want to hear your yeah. opinion. Absolutely. Go ahead, guys. All right. What else you got, Eric? I'm I'm just thinking now, because you you brought up kind of. All right. So I know there's so there's so many threads to pull on right now. I know. Um. Oh man, that kind of that kind of threw me for a loop. Let Let's go. Let's go. Kind of like. Um, I'll just do a layup right now while I think about the other ones. So. Okay. I just. I just uh, recently worked through the Smart Recovery book. Um, I think I think it's a really cool piece of literature. I think it's a cool program. Uh, I'd never worked it before, so it was it was definitely something very um, very cool. It's something I've been interested in a long for a long time. And you said that you're a facilitator. So right. I guess for people who don't know what that means, could you kind of go into a little bit of detail of what a facilitator is, and then also what you know it is a form of service but but kind of describe how that how that bit of service helps your recovery oh well it gives you know smart recovery uh, uh, secular recovery uh dharma recovery has given me see i have a passion my passion is what i'm doing right now Okay. Mm-hmm. You guys, yep. you guys are, you, without you too, I don't have a fire. You are lighting me on fire. Okay. I have nothing without you too. Okay. I'm lost without you too. All right. Oh. So my, my passion is, look, I want to help people. And, and traditional AA, I can I, I can hardly go back to traditional AA anymore. Mm. You know? Mm-hmm. Uh, people people love, love to put guilt and shame on me because of that but I know it's bullshit you know yep. I know the guilt and shame is just coming from their ignorance that's all you know it's coming from a lack of open mindedness you know my, my question would be to the to the guy with some time go out and experiment these things give these things a try uh, getting back to smart Smart is self-empowering, you know. It's a self-management and recovery training. 
but it gives mm-hmm. me the ability to help another human being. I, I had to pay to be a facilitator. I had to pay money to take these courses and do this shit. Now, I don't like that. I, I can get into that, too. I can get into all the structure and the pyramid structure of all these programs, and some that's, that's another whole subject, okay? Yeah. Uh, but, but the thing is that this thing works, okay, for people that get so turned off with AA, they can't go there. They'll die if they didn't have alternatives. Yeah. Yep. Okay? So these, these, these programs... You know, it teaches you rational, logical, I'm going to even use the words. It's like rational, logical, spiritual, universal intelligence. Mm-hmm. One one. Okay? Because it's not, it, it's, it's helping me, but I have a chance to help somebody else, you know? And it's given me, it's lighting me on, these people, when they're at the meeting, they light me on fire. Okay? What do I get out of it? I'm getting out more than they, they're, some of them are getting out of it, okay? Uh, people may say, oh, it's out of your ego. Let me tell you something. Uh, it's not out of my ego. It's out of my life. I love, like yeah. I said, this is a passion of mine. I love doing this, you know? And uh, recovery, uh, smart, get into it. But don't get into it so seriously. Uh, wear it like a loose garment, like they talk about, you know, um, to do it, but don't be so rigid. Don't be so, it, it's almost like the AA. I can't make it like I want to make it like AA. I'll tell you what I'm trying to do in SMART mm-hmm. and, and in Recovery Dormant. This is, this is my goal until I die, is to, to make the community more like the AA community because the AA community is tight-knitted. It's, a, it's over 80 years old. Mm-hmm. SMART's like 25 years old, but it, but it still hasn't evolved, okay? It's starting to catch on big now but with the Zoom and all the other meetings and stuff like that. It's starting to catch on now. But it, this, is, this is what's lacking. It's lacking a connectedness with personal relationships outside of the meeting because it tells you, it kind of, disen- it kind of disencourages you to do that. But guess what? They're not going to control me. Just like I don't let anyone yeah. control me. So I'm gonna make mm-hmm. it. I'm gonna make it something where what they're lacking. I'm gonna put in into it. I'm gonna figure out how to put it into it. Uh, and you know, you start little email email addresses. Uh, whoever wants to get in on it. But you know how AA does all the names, the list, and everything of the meeting members. Mm-hmm. You know, your home group. Well, yeah. they tend to they tend not to do that. But I'm gonna start doing it. You know, and I have yeah. started doing it already. You know, I have so. It has to be like made more like a loving community, you know. Absolutely. Because, you know, and that's the that's the only downside I see. But hey, Eric, is it Eric's getting into it? Get into it, brother. Oh yeah, I mean, I've, I mean, I don't know if I'm actually gonna be, you know, as far as like involved um, from like a fellowship perspective. Uh, you know, I. So I'll I'll be honest with you, right? Like I have not. I, I came up, and we've talked about this on the podcast, I came up through NA, um, and just like you with AA, I struggled, man. Like, I, it was hard to fall in line with the, you know, some of the dogmatic uh, concepts and constructs that came through, and um, I have a tendency to push back. So, I mean, right now, it's a, it's a little bit more kind of like, out, like on you know going by the side of the hip just whatever you know I'm going to be looking into like different fellowships different things just kind of 
you know, my my recovery is is very like loose. You know what I mean? Like I, I don't try to be Good. rigid with it um, because I I don't want Good. Good. I don't see a point in being confined to one single ideology. You know? I mean, why? Like why? I, because okay, so we have friends, David and I, and um, yes. you know, you kind of described this as we well. Where where but well well we're going we're going further so we kind of describe you describe this as well right. where you know and I don't get it as much as you David anymore but I I used to where you know I haven't had a home group for a while um, I still have a sponsor but you know we don't we don't talk very often um, you know I've I've worked the steps but I haven't worked them in a while but you know it's kind of like oh you're not doing the you know A B and C of this fellowship. I mean, you're surely not going to make oh, it. I get guilt tripped all the time. Exactly. So, I mean, what? Yep. So, so Bobby, what would you say to someone who says, you know, that if you're not doing the A, B, and C of you know insert fellowship, so you're you're just going to relapse? I mean, what what do you say to that? Like to a person who's feeling that? Like I know what I would say. Um, you know that you know we each have our own individual way, and we have to find our own path, but. You know, what do you say to that person who's kind of struggling with, you know, they only know about AA or they only know about NA and they're, or like, you know, and they're saying, well, if you don't, you know, you don't work the steps, you're going to die, you know, that sort of shit. You know, what do you say to a person like that to kind of give them like, you know, a little bit of hope? Well, first of all, it's bullshit. Okay. Because there's people that work the steps, do the big book, got a sponsor, do everything and they go out and drink. Mm. There's people yep. that don't do the steps, don't do the big book, don't have a sponsor, and stay sober. Okay, so that's not a guide. That's a false uh, statistic. It's not mm-hmm. real. Okay, so it, all it is is, I say, screw guilt. Guilt is bullshit. Uh, guilt and shame is, is made up of the program. The program is all about guilt and shame. Okay, so be careful. Mm-hmm. And I'll tell you what, I'll encourage people to be rebels. It says don't be re- rebellious. Be rebellious in a good way. Rebellion yeah. makes you question. It makes you think. It allows you to become. Here's what I'm going to tell people. If you want to really be clean and sober, you're going to do it. I don't care where you go. It's not the program. This is where i got to get into people's. It's not the program. It's you. Mm-hmm. It's not the program. It's not the teacher. It's you. If you want to blame somebody, blame yourself. Not anything else, because I see, I used to see, you know, I went to thousands and thousands of meetings. People come in, oh, why did you drink? Oh, I didn't do step four. Why did you drink? Oh, I didn't get a sponsor. Why did you drink? Oh, I didn't do step 10 properly. Bullshit, you drank because you, it was more important to you than staying sober, okay? That's, that comes down to, that's kind of like, you know, and, and that's not a bad thing. I mean, that's all they know. They wanted yeah, to yeah. drink more than they wanted to stay sober. I mean, I'm not down. No big deal. Hey, I, I went through it all my life. You know how many times I wanted to quit? Okay? You know, I, I promised I was going to quit, and then I drank. I promised I was going to quit. What's the difference? If you're in a friggin' program or not. There's people that went to 10 rehabs, you know, and uh, they come out, and then one day they want it. They go into AA, and they think AA was the cure. No, mm-hmm. you were the cure. You were the one that made the decision to stay in and look at all that crap and do all that crap. It was you, you know. So you're doing good. You know what? Let me tell you something. You two guys, what you're doing right now, this is a, you know where the, the, the magic happens? 
is the meeting before the meeting and the meeting after the meeting is the magic. And which and what you guys are doing, you just, you can't drink and drug doing what you're doing. Mm. That's impossible. You know, mm. it's impossible. So you're doing everything you need to do perfectly at this time and this moment. You know, mm. and it's it's all good. Mm. That brings me to my question. Um, you, you're talking about that. You're talking about the human connection, and not just. Uh, like addict to addict or person to person, but also the human connection of oneself. Um, so my question is, it's kind of a two-parter. Like how important is it for anybody in recovery to find that person that you truly connect to and relate to on a deep level? Like like the Lonnie or the bricklayer Al or like me and Eric, like anybody. And then how important is it to become open-minded, vulnerable, and honest with that person on that deep level? Well, first of all, it just happens, you know, like a Lonnie or an Eric, you know, you're Eric, and when you, you, and, you and Eric or Dave, you know, Eric, you and Dave came in together, it just happened. And you wouldn't be together if you didn't have some like-mindedness. Mm. You wouldn't yeah. be together. Okay, so it's kind of like a a natural uh, desire that we have to be validated on our level of consciousness. Mm -hmm. Okay, so, and uh, I'm I'm attracted to people that can stimulate me in a loving, caring, you know, like-minded kind of way, you know, and uh, that's what you guys are doing. Your podcast is... You know, I'm surprised you don't. I think we should get get together. You don't be afraid to don't be afraid to uh, to put this podcast into the to the net uh, YouTube because let me tell you something. There's people that are afraid to hear the truth, and they won't even they won't even air this because they're afraid what other people are going to tell them by even airing it. Mm-hmm. Oh, I mean, you, you follow what I'm saying? Yeah, I mean, there's people, um, you know, who. I, I I know I know certain people will not like uh, certain parts of this podcast, um, but I mean that's oh, yeah. that's okay, right? Like I mean that's that's totally fine. The one thing that I always mm-hmm. try to remind people is that it's about respecting each other's opinions, and um, yeah, I've gotten a lot of shit for not like a lot of people think I'm I don't like believe in God, and that's not true. I just, I haven't met the dude, so I'm not really quite sure. Um, and, uh, you know, I mean, like, I believe in, like... You didn't smoke enough DMT, Eric. That's what you didn't do. <laughs> but, like, I, I do have, like, some sort of belief. Like, I have a belief in, like, energy, and, like, I just, I just don't have, like, a certain, like, real concept of what the fuck that is. And, you know, if someone... If if I respect you enough to believe, like to let you believe what you want to believe in, you should respect me enough to let me believe in what I want to believe in. Because at the end of the day, I don't, yeah, I don't yeah. care how you get clean. You know, like you can you can talk to Jesus for all I care. If it works for you, that's yep. all that really matters. Because um, I I mean, Absolutely. I don't know my like my sponsor and I were talking about this the other day, guys, and uh, you know I used to be a big like 
David David knows this when we were in meetings where I, I would like I would kind of start shit sometimes like from like in you know oh, yeah. about like uh about God or about uh, different parts of traditions and like I would just be on the other mm-hmm. side of like whatever the popular opinion was just to kind of be like you know there's a different way and now I'm just like you know I don't really care man I can leave you know like but it's good to know that like people it's good for people to know that there is another way right yeah like that's the important thing man exactly that, you know there's like just because you walked into this one meeting, it doesn't mean it's the only type of meeting. Yeah, it's not the only meeting. Your opinion matters. Mm-hmm. I'm telling you, listen, uh, it, it's for, that's, see, let me tell you something about minority. AA is c- controlled by minorities, not majorities. Mm-hmm. Okay? Mm-hmm. The minority of people that control a meeting are the ones that set the agenda and the tone. The majority think kind of alike, but they're afraid. Courage, man. Have the courage and strength to, to say what you mean because there's another person that wants to hear that shit. See, by, by you not posting this, and you, like, no, I'm not saying you're going to do it, but if you, you know, don't post this and you say, oh, I can't do it because I got to I gotta worry about somebody else, what they may think or say, what you're doing is denying somebody that needs to hear this to stay alive. Oh, exactly. Yep. And that's, that's one of the things that I would always yeah. do um, whenever I would share is, you know, people, are, people would be like, well, that's not, really, that's not really the message of this program. And I'm like, well, did I help one person? You know, because I'm not, you know, I'm not necessarily trying to help you. I'm just trying to help, like, my message, my story, did it help one person? Because maybe your message isn't going to help me. That's right. Right? Like, What's the the only requirement for membership? The only requirement for membership is a desire to stop drinking. mm Mm-hmm. Okay? So, nothing else goes beyond that. If that's true, you know, you can say whatever you want to say. They can't kick you out of a meeting. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. All right, Eric, is it, is it about that time? Yeah, yeah, let me, uh, yeah, go ahead. Go ahead, David. All right. It is about that time, ladies and gentlemen, for us to pull a question from one of our adoring fans from the Twitter. Damn, David, you're really going at it this time, aren't you? Like, um, I'm digging in. You're man. in, yeah. You're, uh, you're all in. Um, yep. Hmm. There's a lot here. Uh, let's see. I've been I've been saving this one, but I don't feel like it's the right time for that one. Um, let's let's talk about what's going on right now, guys. Um, oh yeah. So this is from Major, um, or at Major Dog Five Two Four. So the way that we. Um, you know, we'll do this as Bobby, you'll answer it first, then David, then myself. But how do you stay clean in this state of emergency? And what coping skills and resources um, are you using? Okay, for me, I'm doing it right this moment. Mm-hmm. Because that's all I have is the now. I believe in the power of now. Eckhart always a power of now, new earth. I, I buy into that stuff because I believe experience is only, we all have experience. My experience is, is good and bad, my 36 years of experience, but we all have the same time, which is right now. So you have to stay in the present, try to. I'm not saying you have to because you can't, it's impossible. 
So I have to mm-hmm. stay in the present moment, you know. I have to, like, what I have to do is different than maybe what somebody else has to do anyhow because there's time in, you know, your recovery. But I have to always use these, I have to go to the, to the positive side. It's, it's the only good thing I got, you know, yep. because... I can go to the negative side. You know, alcoholics love, alcoholics and drug addicts, we love drama. We love criticism. Yeah. We love negativity. We mm-hmm. eat that shit up. Like it's, like it's candy, you know? Mm-hmm. So I got, you open up a book, a spiritual book, a regular book, you, you distract, distract that mind because my brain has a mind of itself. Mm-hmm. It has a mind of its own, and it always moves. So you have to distract that mind and move it around. That mind isn't us. We think it is, but it's really not. But we have to distract it. So just, I would say distraction is a big deal, you know, in any yeah. way, any form. Mm-hmm. All right. Um, how am I staying clean amidst this crisis? Um there are a million and a half things that I'm doing in my recovery. I'm, um, my wife, my wife is, is a great way I'm staying clean through this, um, through, uh, the coronavirus, uh, epidemic and, um, my, uh, texting my friends, just, but like, just, just like you said, it's not like, I don't think it's so much distraction as just constant action. Um, so like, and, and that's just been throughout my recovery. Um, so it's not, it's not just, it's, uh, the microcosm of the last month because it's always been constant action. It's been, um, talking to different people. It's been reading books. It's been working on art projects, spending time with my, with, with my wife, going on walks, making her dinner, um, uh, working out like there's there, there's a million different things it, it, and it's not going to change once these these uh like stay at home orders lift Th- those things aren't going to change They're, they 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 never have changed like it, it's always been the same thing it's just uh, now I'm spending more time at home can I can I go to a meeting and, and get hugs um from all my normal people no. But that, like, that's life. It's a little bit different. And my, my sponsor has always preached self-sufficiency in my recovery because there's going to be times when you can't get, you, you can't get a hold of, of somebody. Like, you're, you're, you're driving across the country by yourself and your cell phone breaks. What are you going to do? All the, oh, no, I'm, I'm out of contact with anybody. Oh, might as well drink and drug. No, that's not the fucking case. Take a nap. Go look at the stars. Go meditate in the fucking, in the woods. Like, do it. There's a million and a fucking half things you can do. Write, read, um, play video games. Like, just keep yourself active. Just do, live life. Because when, when I was drinking and drugging, I wasn't living life. I was, I was running away from it. I was hiding from it. I was numbing it out. But when I finally got clean and, and took some of that power back, I now had the power to do all those things that I never wanted to do before. So just, just keep living your life to the best of your ability every day. Do the, do the little things, appreciate the little things and, and don't trip on anything too hard and, uh, keep it moving. Beautiful. That's exactly. Yeah. I love it. I love it. 
about you, Eric? Um, so, I'll, I've said this to David a few times, actually. Um, besides traveling... This has changed nothing for Eric. This really, really not much has changed for me, guys. Um, I, uh, I work primarily from home. I don't go out much. Um, and so a lot of this, as far as staying, you know, I'm, I'm pretty used to like what I am doing right now. You know, I, we, we do a few of these, we do about a minimum of two to six podcasts a week. So we get a lot of meetings, well, you know, in. Well, for, we're, um, we're, getting, we're getting a lot of meetings. So wow. I, I get more meetings in doing this than I, than I do, you know, with a fellowship. Um, so it's, it's like, that's my coping skills is I, I, I stay connected. You know, I, yep. and one of the things, and right now, you know, I'm, I'm taking on, um, some new responsibilities at work. Uh, so I'm, I'm a little bit scattered, but you know, one of the things that I try to do is challenge my recovery. Now, um, I realized I wasn't mm-hmm. challenging myself enough, um, in the mm-hmm. past. So, you know, Picking up that new book, you know, learning this, like, a new breathing um, technique, you know, trying to meditate a few minutes every day. You know, it's not going to happen by osmosis. You know, we got to actually, like, Mm -hmm. you know, do some action, like, you know, and I hate to say this. I'll bring up an example of I used to have a home group. Um, It was uh, a noon meeting. And I can't tell you how many times I heard people say, you know, I really need to get a job, so I'm just going to keep praying for it. And I even have asked people, I was like, have you applied for a job? And they're like, no, but, you know, God will take care of it. And I'm like, what the fuck are you talking about? Like, you have to apply for the job. Like, it, it, it's about action. You know, like, right. I, I mean, we can't yep. keep, you know, hoping and wishing is only going to get us so far. Unless you actually yep. do something about, like, to change your life and to change the situation that you find yourself in. You know, a lot, like, I've, I've learned a lot of things through watching people, um, especially, like, with people at work who are used to going into an office. What's hard, even with normal people, because this isn't just addicts, um, or, you know, I, I don't like to say the normal, but, you know, other, other people who aren't working a program... It's, it's hard for everyone because everyone, this is a new normal. And probably by the time this podcast, or hopefully by the time this podcast is released, we are back to some sense of normalcy. But I think with coping skills is, is kind of understanding that, you know, we can, we can deal with a lot more than we think we can and that we're stronger than we know we are. And that the answer yeah. to what we're seeking is within, so we just need to look for it. Yes. Beautiful. Yes, I agree, hundred percent. Yeah. All right. You know, you know that serenity prayer. I take out the word, and I can say to myself, I'm talking to myself. Grant me serenity to accept the things I cannot change. Courage to change the things I can. Yeah. And the wisdom to know the difference. I you know, I have. I don't think Eric or myself have said God in the serenity prayer in a long time. And actually one of my favorite prayers is the third step prayer. I don't, I don't use God in the beginning of it, but I do think it's a pretty good mantra. Um, 
cool. Oh, yeah. You know, like I, you know, take my will, my life, guide me in my serenity, and show me how I live. I just say that to myself. Cool. Yep. Yep. Where there's uh, discord, let me sow harmony. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, there's yeah. you know, all this all this stuff is borrowed from ancient practices, anyhow. So it's exactly. all you know. It's it's not really that. A lot of this stuff is most of the stuff. All of the, I guess all of it is just borrowed uh, philosophy, wisdom, and knowledge. You know. Recycled spirituality. I love it. You guys, you guys, you guys, you, you guys made my day. You guys <laughs> made my day. Likewise, man. Yeah, man. Likewise, brother. I uh, I appreciate it. And we'll, but we're running out of time, so we'd like to give you one one quick minute to talk to anybody listening out there who's struggling, need to, needs to hear that message of hope to find their way through another day. What do you have to say to that person? Well, I just have to say that if you. Put down the drink and the drug. You got a shot. Mm-hmm. Mm. If you know, if you don't drink or drug, you got a shot of everything beautiful to come. And some of it's going to be crappy. Some of it's going to be good. Some of it's going to be fun. Some of it's not going to be fun. But it's it's going to be way better than if you didn't. You know. Yep. And I'll keep it that simple. And um. Perfect. And Bobby, you have a you have a YouTube channel, right? And some stuff online. No, no, no. I'm, I'm going to create the. I keep on wanting to create the my YouTube channel. I'm, I'm on Twitter. Okay. Uh, uh, non anonymous addiction on Twitter, and uh, but uh, I'll be starting a YouTube channel up as soon as I find out how to do it. <laughs> I'm still. Yeah. Uh, I'm a computer illiterate, and I'm an old guy, so uh, I don't know. Maybe one of you guys could help me out one day. <laughs> Eric can. Yeah, it would be me. Yeah. It would definitely be me. Definitely be Eric. All right. Well, we'd like to thank our guest, Bobby, for joining us today. Woo! Yeah! Thank you, we thank you, it, thank Bobby. you. David O, Eric V, and Bobby C. <laughs> <laughs> Here at Podcast Recovery, we are aiming to expand the scope of support for recovering addicts. Accessibility and convenience of helpful services is paramount to combating addiction. We work to bring the message of recovery to every addict, wherever and whenever it is needed. We believe that a powerful voice of recovery should be obtainable, practical, and at the touch of a button. Every addict deserves to hear a message of hope, and Podcast Recovery is here to provide it. All right, everybody, thanks for joining us. Thanks for listening. Uh, Go to our Twitter, go to our Facebook, go to our Instagram, like, share, subscribe. And if you need any more information, podcastrecovery.com has it for you. But most importantly, everybody out there, stay safe and stay clean.